Welcome into the Daily Atlanta Sports Podcast. It's Josh Peach joined once again with Brennan Jones. It's been a while. We had a winter break and now class is starting up here. So it's been a minute. We've got a few games to talk about, but first things first, Brennan, how was your uh, winter break? Man, it was long. Uh, much like everybody, I feel like I had the co- I had did I had the COVID. Um, so that was tough for, for like 10 days. But, you know, saw some family, um, you know, saw some friends that I didn't get to see in a while and ready to start back up school. I know we just started my first class was yesterday. I don't know about you, Josh. And the Zoom stuff, at least for the first week, still, it's not it. I don't know. How, how are you doing? Yeah, uh, winter break for me, I had to isolate a couple times because two of the people I see the most got it, but luckily I'm boosted and my booster's putting in extra work right now. It's every time. <laughs> so I am yet to get it. I've been testing frequently. I'm negative. So yeah, just back here at school now. Uh, my first day of classes was also yesterday and I'm totally with you. Going from Zoom classes one year to in-person first semester to back to Zoom is not exactly ideal, but it, yeah. it's weird because you know, we have the first week online and hopefully that's it. But you see, you know, the rest of the campus, people are still going indoors, like for the basketball games that we're about to talk about. It's still a full crowd. So sometimes it doesn't always make sense. But it's only one that's, week. So. That, yeah, that's the weird thing is like, um, I mean, and that's why I'm like, I'm confident the university would never go fully online. Just all the money they lose from not being able to have basketball um, attendance. They're losing. I don't even know what other sports wrestling for the last half even though that I think that's a free event anyway they're losing a whole bunch of basketball revenue if they can't have fans so I think that's why they would never go back online but yeah it's, it's a weird feeling waking up for zoom classes and being like oh but if I wanted to like I could go to the game and you know go in there and be in a big crowd I don't know it's a weird time but uh, hopefully it's just for this one week um, haven't heard anything yet about next week so we assume that we're in person hopefully that's the last time I ever had to log into zoom I know I'm graduating in May so I'm excited, uh, but yeah, very sick of Zoom. Yeah, my teachers over the past couple of days have made it seem like it's only the one week. You know, you'd figure that they would know something we don't. Uh, mm-hmm. They may not say that it's the last week if the university has been indicating something, but we don't know what Chancellor Jones is thinking. But <laughs> uh, moving on, though, so like I said, it's been a minute. Uh, before we talk about Illinois' game on Friday against Maryland, I want to talk about uh, some of the games that have happened previously, starting with the Nebraska and Michigan games, which are two pretty similar games. Uh, two teams that are struggling in the Big Ten, no surprise there with Nebraska, sort of surprisingly with Michigan. Obviously, their young guys are having some trouble getting into the groove of things with Jawan Howard, still a relatively younger coach in the Big Ten. Starting with the Nebraska game, it was very back and forth uh, the whole mm-hmm. time. And then very late, Trent Frazier puts on some heroics, leads them to a double-digit win. Brennan, you're watching that Nebraska game. Were you nervous? Uh, what were your thoughts during and after? And how about Trent Frazier? Yeah. Um, nervous is a is like a weird phrase because I don't know. But did I think they were going to lose halfway through that game? Yeah, I did. Uh, they were away. Nebraska sucks. But some of their players were putting on some really good performances. Um, most notably McGowan's was, was pretty good. I know early, um, early they had um, Tominaga. I know I was going to butcher that, but he, he was, he was hooping a little bit early for them. It was one of those games really, you know, you see these games in Illinois all the time. You're like the first half, like, Oh, what, what's happening? What's happening? And you never like to see that, especially when you're away in a big 10 game. And while Illinois at that point had been playing better uh, for the last few games, they still had struggles early in the year against teams I don't think they should have lost to. Um, 
you know, so you're always a little nervous about that. But yeah, man, I there it's hard to say enough about the encore performance from Trent Frazier um, in the last like seven games. I mean, he's kind of just shown you. I know in the beginning of the season, we were kind of wondering where the seniors were uh, in this lineup. And he's shown you that, you know, he's you know, he's 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 been a five year starter for a reason. He shows you the experience. He shows you. Um, you know, that he he can still be that guy. I know his freshman year he was he came in and he was, you know, the the go to option. He was the the guard on on the court. And when Io came, kinda took a backseat to that. And I know I had, I know you even at points last year were like, Trent, where you you know, offensively, where you at? You know, there needs to be somebody else to step up. And luckily this year it's been him. I mean, him and Plummer have been just great offensive pieces. In that Nebraska game, Trent Frazier put up twenty nine points on fifty percent shooting. Um, and they needed every bit of it to to, to kind of extend that lead at the end. Yeah, uh, no, it was it was awesome. Obviously, like I'm with you that I think they were going to lose with probably 10 minutes to go. Yes, I did. <laughs> I really thought that they were going to blow that one just when everyone thought that they were, you know, they I, I believe they had just gotten into the top 25 and I think they were ranked. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, finally be ranked and then lose to a team that is winless in the Big Ten would have stunk, but no. Trent Frazier did his thing at the end, like you said, 29 points on 50% shooting. And the other person that we have to give a ton of credit to for that game, I believe, is Omar Payne. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he came in and was playing awesome defense. He had uh, a season-high eight points, I believe, two for three field goals, and he was 100% from the free throw line, five rebounds. We know he's always played defense. How about Omar finally showing up for the Atlanta? When when – Omar was signed back in the spring um, or early summer. I can't remember which one. And everybody didn't know if Kofi was coming, going to the draft, transferring, whatever. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people were expecting a lot from him. Um, And even if Kofi was going to come back, which he did, a lot of people expected a lot from him from a bench center type situation that Illinois hadn't had any time in my four years there uh, to to have that backup center that was that was good enough on the defensive end to substitute minutes for Kofi Coburn and still be able to have a guy that's six eleven in there. Um, and he's shown flashes. Uh, you know, he he get crazy blocks. He get really good rebounds. He play really good interior defense. But this was like kind of like you said, it's coming out game. I mean, two for three, four for four from the free throw line, which is just amazing from your backup center. Five rebounds, um, four blocks. And all in 10 minutes, like that's the, some of the most productive 10 minutes you'll ever see from a from a center. And that, that's really great. I mean, as big as Kofi is um, and as hard as he is to score against, I never would consider him an elite rim defender. And having a backup center that that would, you know, that can provide you at least flashes, as we see from Omar Payne, of really, really good rim defense is, is something that, you know, you, you really need. And it, it, it came up in that Nebraska game. And I mean, they needed all those blocks and they got them. So. I mean, Omar Payne is that if that was like, you know, a vision of what's to come in the future as this season develops into next season, I think, you know, Omar can can have a a huge um, impact on the defensive end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Kofi was eight for 18 from the field that game and below 50 percent field goal percent for a big guy, especially of Kofi's size is not good. Uh, He he had 16 and 13. So, of course, we're here saying Kofi didn't play well when he gets a dominant double (laughs) Well, the rest of the offense, I mean, Granison had 12, but other than that, everyone else struggled, obviously, besides Trent. But the thing mm-hmm. that spoke most to me about that game was that when there were three or four minutes left, it wasn't Kofi on the floor. It was mm-hmm. Omar. They trusted mm-hmm. Omar to go out there and play the defense against, like you said, when we started talking about it, McGowan's was playing really well. 
And even though he did post Dur Omar Payne a little bit later in the game, Payne's, <laughs> you know, Payne held his ground and he showed yeah. why he's gonna impact uh have an impact on the floor for Illinois. I believe he has two years of eligibility left I after this so. year. And then the transfer from Baylor just got onto campus. He's practicing. We'll have a couple years of eligibility left too. Maybe a couple more than that, actually. Uh, so even with losing Kofi Corburn, probably we'll talk about him a little bit later. Illinois could be in a, uh, okay hands in the big guy position for years to come. So now we'll move on to the next game, which, like I said in the intro, was pretty similar to the Nebraska game in that it was close for a while, and then Trent Frazier performed some late-game heroics, and Illinois once again won by double digits. Yeah, uh, this was the game I guess everybody was kind of – I mean, if you would have asked me in September which game I was most excited for, it would have probably been this one. Obviously, Michigan is nowhere near as good as anybody thought they were. I had them winning the Big Ten. I mean, the stuff they did last year and coming in with their recruiting class, like I just thought it was just going to transfer. I really do like Jawan Howard. Um but it didn't. I mean, they're the guys that they graduated, um, Wagner, Livers, guys like that, really, you can really tell that this team is just not where it was. Not saying they can't get there. I think Juwan Howard's a fantastic coach, but I, I think it's going to take some time. And it's going to take even better recruiting than he's already done. Um, but yeah, that, when it comes to this this game that, that happened last week, you know, Guys stepped up. I mean, Trent Frazier, like you said, again, 5 for 11. He, he did struggle a little bit from behind the arc, but, you know, that comes and goes. Six for six from the free throw line, you, you have to love it. And then, you know, Kofi Coburn did his normal eight, eight and 13 for 21 points. But it wasn't – it didn't – it also just didn't feel like a Kofi game as much as it just felt like a – it was kind of a – and it's weird because the bench wasn't productive really at all at least on the offensive end but it kind of felt like it was a it was an everybody effort if that makes sense like it wasn't just like oh Kofi you go put up 30 and 15 and then we'll ride your back until you win yeah I agree with you and going into the game because obviously we heard uh, maybe an hour or two before game time that Hunter Dickinson would not be playing and obviously that's where this you know mm -hmm. rivalry kind of has stemmed from the last year and a half Hunter Dickinson has said some things obviously the fans on Twitter have gotten into it so you expect when Hunter Dickinson who is a first team all big 10 caliber player isn't on the court oh Kofi's going to dominate but he obviously like you said eight for 13 21 points and 10 rebounds but for Kofi's standards that's not domination so they needed other no 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 Plummer didn't shoot particularly well, but still had 15 points. Obviously, Frazier performed late. And frankly, it was a low-scoring game. 68 had been Illinois' lowest point total in a month and a half. So. Yeah, it's really an ugly offensive game. Like, no team yeah. shot really well. I mean, Illinois shot 46%. Michigan shot 36%. Um, what's really eye-opening is that nobody on Illinois' bench attempted a field goal. Uh, their only bench points were from Coleman Hawkins and Omar Payne, three free throws. Um, I don't know what to make of that because that was just a weird game. Uh, but Coleman Hawkins playing 26 minutes and not putting up a shot. I, I don't love it, especially because I feel like what, although he can't at this point in his career get his own shot in Big Ten play, I think that there's been times where they've drawn up a lot of, you know, um, whether it be like sidelines out of bounds plays or, or, you know, motions for him to get to the rim to try to throw a lob his way. I feel like you got it. He's just he's so big and he's so long that you got to get him involved some way. So I, I would like to see that more. But especially if he's going to play 26 minutes, um, because, I mean, he just 26 minutes and one rebound, 26 minutes and one block. Like that's not you're not using him to his fullest capacity if you're also then not going to use him on the offense. Yeah, 
I agree. We do have to give credit where credit is due to Underwood and the guys with their defense because, let's face it, Caleb Houston, five points, awesome. Yeah. Scott shut down. The only person that was really a problem for Illinois on the defensive, the, on the defensive end was Devontae Jones, who hit some tough shots. I mean, he's a senior, too. He showed some senior leadership. Uh, he was seven for 16 from the field. So he didn't even shoot particularly well that, you know, mm-hmm. to Michigan's 53 points. My last thing on this game, Brennan, have you ever seen a one, 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 and one stat line before Coleman Hawkins had one, <laughs> one rebound, one assist, one steal and one block. He also had one turnover. I have never yep. seen anything like that in my life. Hey, give him credit. He had two fouls though. You know, he's at least out there oh, hacking people. <laughs> um, no, that's a, it's a rare stat line. Almost as funny as uh, the, what they call it the six million when you just don't record anything um, like the Tony Snell. Um, it's funny. It's, it's tough, but it also is like, it's not like he was out there for five minutes, you know, like he's out there. Like that's kind of what's frustrating is like, you're going to give him those minutes and you know, he's not going to get involved and not that it's all his fault. Obviously like rebounds, that's a hustle stat, right? That's something that you got to, you're six ten, you're, you got like a seven, two wingspan. Like you got to get a rebound. Okay. You can't, almost play 30 minutes he had one rebound but you know you're you're gonna have to get him more involved on the offensive end you're gonna have to I know he, he shoots so inconsistently um so I wouldn't even have him out there shooting but like he didn't even attempt the field goal so it's like you know what are we doing out there so weird stat line something I don't love to see from some guy that you know next year when Trent Frazier is not going to be on campus and Alfonso Plummer is not going to be on campus and more than likely Kobe Coburn is not going to be on campus like this is some guy that you know people have been expecting to be that next guy up um his junior and senior year and there hasn't been a lot of development I feel like he was used better last year you know I agree with you and you know he plays in 26 minutes or whatever and only has that stat line and the next game, which we're about to get into against Purdue, Coleman only Great played game. four minutes. Uh, Coleman yeah. wasn't exactly – he's not the story of this game. His four minutes is pretty much all we'll say about him. But, yeah, it was a phenomenal game. Probably – I'm an Illinois fan, obviously. Probably mm-hmm. the least unhappy I've been after an Illinois loss maybe in my life. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's just because Purdue won 98 Zach Eady was phenomenal. Uh, there were a couple things that Illinois did wrong defensively that we'll get into for a minute or in a minute here. But for the first 30 ish minutes, Illinois did not play well. Kofi mm-hmm. Coburn was not having a good game. Uh, Frazier wasn't shooting very well. Plummer at the time wasn't shooting well. You go into half down 11, and then you're able to take an elite team to double overtime and lose, even with Kofi Coburn fouling out. That is pretty darn impressive, if you ask me. But Purdue's a good team. Oh, they're a great team. Um, when I, when this game was coming up, I thought it was going to be, like, I thought this, you saw how, who they played the game before, where it was just, like, Purdue was over by, like, the, like, 15 minutes left in the game. They were up by 15 already, um, whoever their previous opponent for Illinois was. But they, I thought this was just a matchup nightmare for Illinois because they're a very inside-out team. They love to establish the, the, the paint first on offense. And, that I mean, they've done that for the last three years, Kobe Coburn, and, this year they're a really successful shooting team, um, but that's it's hard to shoot well if you don't establish the paint. It's also hard to shoot well when you can guard, you know, the best paint score, sorry, the best paint score in the Big Ten with one guy, and you don't have to double him. And that guy Zach Eady, that guy is probably the hugest human being that Kobe Coburn has ever had to play against, and it looked like it. I mean, he had he had really no offensive answer 
um, against Zach Eady, and it's because Zach Eady's, you know, just as heavy as him, and he looks over, he has a whole head on him almost. It's pretty much unfair. And then on the on the defensive end, I mean, we know that Kofi's big and he takes up a lot of space, but I think both of us would agree that he's not that, you know, he, he blocks shots, but he's not some elite rim defender that'll just shut down the paint. You can score on him if you're if you're clever enough, if you're quick enough, and you have a guy that can score over Kofi Coburn and Zach Eady, and you have a guy in Trevion Williams who can go side to side faster than Kofi Coburn's ever seen. So I just thought it was just going to be over quickly. Um, and in the first half, it looked like it. I mean, not even to mention Jay Nivey, who's going to be a top 20 pick, right? But in the first half, it looked like it. And with with just like straight will and determination. And like, this is one of the best college basketball games I might have ever seen. But just like with will and determination, they were to claw back, force two overtimes. And yeah, I mean, by, by you know, the second overtime it was kind of over. But um, that's just something you don't see. You don't see, like since Benjamin Bozeman's Verdant came into, you know, Illinois, and I know we'll talk about him, but, you know, he just had a frame of a guy that I thought was going to be a really good four in the Big Ten. Hasn't happened. He's not as polished as I thought he was going to be, but he played his heart out. Like, he, that's just literal effort. Like, he defended Zach Eady and Travion Williams better than Kobe Coburn and better than Omar Payne. And he doesn't play. Like, <laughs> like he gets no minutes in a regular rotation, and he just had to be thrown in there because both those guys had three fouls early in the second half. And, you know, he was a huge part of that comeback. Um, you know, guys heating up at the right time, like, like you know, Alfonso Plummer, who just went on this insane run after being not really that good um, in the beginning of the of the game, um, just, just keeping them in there. And then not even to mention the guy that, you know, I thought was going to be an All-American beginning of the season, hasn't played in two months, and mm-hmm. literally goes out there and has this freaking Jesus moment where he just looks better than everybody on the court. Nobody can stop him in the second half. He goes eight for 15 after struggling in the, in the first half, but, you know, scores 20 points, you know, hits that crazy, he, he hits the turnaround jumper uh, and then this crazy reverse layup to, to, to force another overtime. Like Andre Corbello, like have a game, man. Like, and there was a quote that uh, Underwood said he wasn't even going to play him that much because he was out of shape and he just was just insanely good and was insanely better than everybody else. And, I mean, credit, we've seen a lot of good Andre Corbello games, especially at the end of last season. But for the stakes of this game, in terms of, you know, you're playing the best team in the Big Ten by far. You haven't played in two months. Everybody's doubting you because of, you know, your horrific performance in the first few games, and then you're injured for the next two months. We don't know what to make of Andre Corbello. And then he just has this type of game where he's like the MVP. He's the one that's keeping them in the game. He outplays Jaden Ivey, I think, you know just insane and you know shout out to Andre Corbello I, we, I don't know where he fits in this in this very very crowded Illinois backcourt but he has to get his minutes he has to get his spot and it's going to be so interesting to see how he fits but like I said like, like you said like this isn't a bad game by any means like they were supposed to get demolished in this game and they forced him to two overtimes and I think a lot of people took notice yeah it's weird because well first off the two people that played the best for Illinois besides Plummer were two guys I didn't even expect to see the floor an hour before the game because mm-hmm. Curbelo, nothing was announced. She just came out to the floor about an hour before the game <laughs> with yeah. a uniform on. And I know, you know, most of the, you know, diehard Illini uh, journalists like Jeremy Werner and Derek Piper and those guys were like, hey, Curbelo uh, is dressed. And then about mm-hmm. 15 minutes, I believe, before the game, the the team announced he was cleared. So, and even an hour or two before the game, no one expected Corbello to be on the floor. And Benjamin Bozeman's Verdonk was barely seeing the floor anyways. I'm not even sure he played a minute in the previous game. 
So mm-hmm. obviously you hit on everything with both of those guys. I think Ben game of his life. It's sad that didn't win for him. Then Carbello comes out and is arguably the best player on the floor, or at least the guard on the floor. It looked like it was crazy. Credit to Monte Williams for shutting down Jaden Ivey. He Facts. had 19 points, but he was three for 10 from the field. He only attempted one three, which he missed. That was awesome. And the reason I, you know, said this was a, I wasn't as frustrated is because a lot went wrong for Illinois. Kofi Coburn looked like a role player. He, this is part of the reason that I've been saying, I don't think Kofi's ever going to get drafted unless he makes a drastic improvement, which he's shown he has not because he faced two good big guys. One of it, which might not, might not make the NBA and he couldn't score on him. Uh, Trent Frazier uh, did not shoot well. He was two for nine from three and another guy that they Illinois did not play good defense on who they did shut down last year when they beat them was Sasha Stefanovic, the Johnny one note shooter. He shot eight threes and he made five of them. 22 (laughs) points for a Johnny one note shooter. You just never see a Brad Underwood coach team do that. When Illinois beat Purdue last year, they won by 12 and Sasha had nine or something like that. This game, they go into two overtimes. They lose by eight and Sasha has 22. When he has 22 points, you're not going to win the game. So (laughs) you don't guard their shooter well. The big guys have a field day on you when your own national player of the year, quote unquote, candidate plays terribly. Grandison was off. DeMonte didn't give you anything offensively. Plummer didn't heat up until 10 minutes left in the half. Coleman played four minutes. Omar Payne was in foul trouble. If it weren't for Curbelo and then Ben at the end, Illinois might lose this game by 20. And I think that's why, not obviously, obviously I've already said I'm not mad they lost this game. I don't think this is a game they should have. You know they should have won. I thought they should have. Should, they should have been out sometime in the second half, and they should have not come back. But you know they did. That's why I'm upset that they didn't win those. Because like, just imagine like the the mythical story of Curbelo. If he'd been gone for too much, everybody's down him. He comes out of nowhere, no announcement. He's dressed. He's out there warming up. He doesn't play well in the first half, and in the second half, he leads them to the win. Like, just would have been a just crazy story for Curbelo. But yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, the, the foul trouble, you you can you can get on the Big Ten refs all you want to. You know what you're going to get. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess you know that you don't know what you're going to get from Big Ten refs. Sometimes they're on, sometimes they're off. Um, I feel like some of those Kofi calls could have went either way. I feel like, you know, even some of the Edie calls could have went either way. It's hard to officiate those guys or whatever. But like you said, like all of Illinois' guys that they feel like they can rely on were off for at least half the game. And they had to rely on Benjamin Bozeman's Renard to play defense on the the most, like, dynamic center matchup in the Big Ten. When you have Zach Eady, who's just a huge human being, who's going to, you know, as turn around and, and just a, a little floater hook shot over your head and there's nothing you can do because his, his hand is then two feet above where your hand would be. And you have Trevion Williams, who is just, a, is just disgusting in the post, who didn't even really shoot well in the game. Um, six for 18 but had five assists so hate when a guy can can just dice you up in the post get to the basket but then if he's not getting to the basket he can find you know the cutter of the guy who's trying to help you I mean just a tough tough matchup for Illinois and I don't think they're going to win when they go to Purdue to play this team either but you know this is the best this is the best realistic outcome like they they push this team to, to the brink of what they were I mean they had two chances to win it in overtime, Stefanovic, and it was blocked by Trent Frazier. And then Jay Nobby pulls up for three, um, and it's contested by Cabello, who I think gets over that screen a little bit. Um, but it's you had good performances in, in pieces, right? Like 
Demont, like you said, like Demonte Williams, like he played phenomenal defense, and he doesn't do much on the offensive end. He did. He, he confused us last year, uh, you know, shooting the best in the nation for half the year. But you know, he doesn't do a lot on the offensive end. Plays his heart out on defense, and you love it. And he really he. I don't want to say he shut down a guy because he still had um, how much he have? He still had nineteen points. Jay Nivey, yeah. thirteen of which from the from the free throw line. Um, so that, that tells you a little bit about the officiating, but you know, that's a guy that's going to be in the NBA next year. That's a guy that's hard to guard. That's a guy that, you know, like in that double overtime, he had a crazy like layup to, to kind of seal the game. Just, there's not a lot to say about this game other than, you know, you can't be mad that they lost. This is a game that, you know, it's just one of those games where you're facing a better team in pretty much all aspects um, of the game and you gave it your best shot and, I don't think anybody should hold their heads about this game. You kind of just have to move on to the next one. You can be the second best team in the Big Ten and make noise in the in March Madness, right? You can be as as long as you're better than you know Wisconsin, who's coming out of nowhere, right? As long as you're better than um, you know the, these other teams in the Big Ten, you don't got to be Purdue because Purdue's just going to have that year where they're just yeah. better than everybody in the Big Ten, and you're kind of just going to have to roll with those punches. Yeah, exactly. They held Trayvon Williams, who I think is going to be in the NBA next year as well, to 14 points on six of 18 shooting. Unfortunately, two of his baskets came at like the perfect time for Purdue, yeah. especially one in that double overtime. Uh, last, last thing I'll talk about before we go into preview in Maryland, you sort of said, you know, the Corbello situation, because with him coming back, instead of having a six to seven man situation, you're more seven to eight now, which is what like a mm-hmm. real college basketball uh, Big Ten contender looks like. I expect him to come off the bench for at least one or two more games, but when he's readily or ready uh, physically and mentally, cause you know, he was fatigued in the Purdue game it was very obvious yeah. if you were either at the game or watching, I wasn't, but we could see, you know, him on right. the bench and then a couple of my buddies that were at the game said, you couldn't see this on TV, but on one play, like Purdue had a fast break ish and Carbello just couldn't run back. He was gassed. So right. when he is in better physical form, you're going to have a dilemma, who to start, who not to start. Before the year, I was like, okay, Plummer is going to come off the bench. He wants to be the sixth man. I think you have to start all three of them. I think you have to go Curbelo, Frazier, Plummer, Grandison, Ordemonte, and Kofi. And I know that that's small. It's going to, you know, hurt you a little bit defensively. But Curbelo is like, when Kofi's not playing well, Illinois has been missing a piece. I've been writing about it for the DI for about a month now that, someone's going to have to create the offense. When Kofi wasn't playing well against uh, Purdue, Curbelo created the offense and they stayed in the game. And his ability, you know, to get shooters open is crazy because some people were doubting whether this team was even better with Curbelo because of the three-point shooting. But Curbelo's and he's not a very good three-point shooter, but just his ability to create offense, especially when Illinois goes on some of those Illinois-esque slumps, his ability to create is just so impactful. I think you start all three of them. I know it's going to be small, but they did it in 05. So if you, <laughs> I know that that's yeah. Darren Williams, Luther Head, and D Brown, but it's been done before. I think it hurts you if they're not on the floor together. That I want to know your opinion, but that's my take. I've been, this is something I've been wrestling with for a while because I didn't think, I mean, and this is just one game. This is obviously one game, uh, even really a half sample size of what Andre Cabello looks. And look, we he might have been injured when he was playing early in the season. We have no idea what his health status was. Um, but he didn't. I don't think he had a turnover in that in that Purdue game, right? 
He had, cool. uh, yeah, I was just about to say that 20 points, no turnovers, three assists, six rebounds, 26 minutes. Over 50% and, from the field, four for five from the free throw line. And, and so you're right. He, he could very well be the best creating guard. I, he is the best creating guard on this team. Yeah. And that could put him in the conversation for the best guard on this team. But at me, looking at what Plummer and Frazier have done to keep this team afloat for the last two months, not even afloat, to, to, to have them thrive after the really bad start that they had, um, you know, in non-conference play. How do you look at one of them and be like, yeah, man, you're on, you're on the bench, you know, and it's a tough situation. I still don't think the answer is all three of them. That terrifies me defensively. I know how good Trent Frazier is, and I know Plummer, and they're not Plummer and Corbello aren't bad on defense, but seeing three, six, one guys out there as a six, one guy myself, just terrifies. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just terrifies me. But I Look, Brendan, let me ask you against Purdue, because let's face it, Purdue's the first real team they've faced in a while. Yeah. They were struggling. Then Corbello came in. Who was on the floor when they were getting their most offense? All three of them. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. And that's why it's hard. But there has to be a way to stagger their and, – and starting, not starting, whatever, right? Because you could have, like, like last year when, like, DeMonte wouldn't start anymore because, granted, he was still getting starter minutes, right? Like, you could have guys get starter minutes and not be starting. Um, so there has to be a way. And I, I think, honestly, what it's going to come down to is, like, situational. You know what I mean? Like, it'll change um, by the situation. Like, for instance, like, remember when we were talking about Arizona and how big that yeah. team was? There's yeah. no way you're starting all three of those guys. No. There's just no way. No. And so you'll have to look at matchups, and I'm sure, you know, uh, these guys are all bought in, and, and Underwood is, is, is a really good coach. He's going to change the starting lineups for each matchup, and I think it'll be super interesting to see how that plays out. But I agree with you. I want to see them run together. I want to see the starting lineup that you mentioned run together. I don't know whether that would be from tip-off, and I don't know if that would be in the clutch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in the game, I don't know if I want all three of them on the court together. Because against Purdue, when, they, you know, Corbello and Trent Frazier were on the court, it wasn't Plummer. And, you know, sometimes I was kicking myself. I'm like, man, I want, I want Plummer out there. He's having a better game than Frazier or something like that. So I think it'll be interesting. I don't know the answer. I wish I did. But that's tough, though, when, you know, your three best guards are all 6-1. It's, it's tough. Yeah, if they – if Underwood does what I think should be done, uh, Jacob Grandison's going to have to start to play better because he's going to lose oh, his sure. starting spot. He is but I think cooling he's down. Been, yeah, he was – I think he started the, the season so good, it was hard for him to keep that up. And mm – -hmm. I don't want to say he's playing bad now because I think he still does everything he, he does, just not as good as it was at the beginning of, this, of the yes. year. And I think this is just his down. Like, he'll come back up. Um, but, yeah, just at the beginning of the year, he was like – like, some with advanced analytics, like, he was one of the best players in the Big Ten. And Grandison's a great player. He's not that level of – It was, guy, it was lightning think. in a bottle. He, he was sure. a little bit of lightning in the bottle. And he still can get back to that level-ish, mm. but he's not going to do it. And, now, again, let's face it, though. Because after the Arizona game, Illinois was not facing very good competition. Mizzou mm -hmm. is very bad. I know that they beat Alabama, but come on, Mizzou stinks. Like, Kwanzaa Martin's gone. These bottom-tier yeah. teams in the Big Ten, I know that, like, the Big Ten's a good league, but no, they're not on Illinois' level. So, yeah. I, I think he'll get back to what he would. I mean, this is the guy that when Illinois was 
struggling midseason last year and they inserted him to the starting lineup like they won like what 15 out of 16 games in yeah a row. like oh he's good he, yeah. he's a he's a really good guy he's going to be able to adjust there's just going to be times where he has tough games and over yeah. the last few games i don't know if he's had bad games but he's had some tough games where he's not getting what he wants to you know he's not getting those open books i'd love to see him drive i think he's he's a decent creator in terms of when he drives and they crash to the paint like he finds people and I love that. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, through the rest of this big 10 slate, um, you know, with some, with some tough teams coming up. I mean, Michigan state, Wisconsin, Purdue again, um, in the middle of next month, it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see if he rebounds because next six games aren't easy. Exactly. All right. So before we finish up, we're going to preview this Maryland game a little bit, which is on Friday. Um, Illinois host. So this is their first rematch of the year. Illinois hosted Maryland, uh, couple of weeks ago and 176 64 at home mm-hmm. uh Kofi had foul trouble remember that game and then came back and just dominated in the second half mm-hmm. that was awesome I think that was Io night too um the two players that stood out to so. me for Maryland were Eric Ayala the 6-5 guard who sh- was yeah. like perfect in the first half and then Donta Scott gave Illinois the most troubles he ended up finishing with 17 Ayala had 16 and the reason Ayala uh, excuse me, Scott gave them more troubles than I thought is because he is six foot eight and Illinois starters are Kofi is seven foot. And then you go down to like six, six with Grandison, but Grandison isn't, he is slim Jake. He's not, <laughs> he's not as thick as <laughs> some of the other big guards. And then Don, yeah. uh, uh, DeMonte Williams is six, three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for this game, I'm expecting him to come off the bench, but this could be a bounce back game for Coleman, not necessarily on offense, but I think he's going to be the one covering Dante Scott this time. If you think back to the Rutgers game that Illinois won by 35, Ron Harper Jr., who in my lifetime, I would put on my like Illinois killers list. He has destroyed Illinois in the last few years. And then this game, he made like one shot and almost all of that was due to Coleman Hawkins. But coming into this game, I mean, defi- de- uh, besides defending Dante Scott, what do you think Illinois has got to do to beat Maryland for the second time this year? Um, I think they have to – Kofi has to have one of those games. I think yep. it, it comes back to it. I Look, I mean, there's, there's no going around it. Shooting three for nine. First off, get Kofi Gober and shooting nine attempts shows you how stifled he was. Not yeah. only – it's, you know, not only, you know, people were making him miss – but the, he didn't want to go up against Zach Eady. No. You know, he barely wanted to go – like, he got some shots against uh, Williams, but he barely really wanted that matchup either. He has to come back in this game and be like, you know what, like – because he said earlier in the – earlier in a press conference, somebody asked him, do you think anybody can stop you in this league? And he said, no, I want to see that Kobe Cobra, right? I want to see, you know, 30 and 15. You know, in the, in the last Maryland game, he had 23 and 18 on f- 9 for 12. Like, yeah. we, you got you got to have something like that because – it's it's okay that you got shut down by Zach Eady. Like, it's okay. Like, I could have told you that that was a probability. Like, he's huge. He's just some guy that you're not going to have. You might, like, after that second Purdue matchup, you might not never see Purdue again. And that means that there's one guy that could have shut you down, and that was Zach Eady. Congratulations. Yeah. He's, a, he's seven foot four, two, 290, right? So he has to reestablish his dominance as I'm Kofi Coburn. I'm the baddest guy in the paint in the nation and, you know, whatever. He has to do that against this team. Um, but I also want to see people who have, have better performances. And they, like you said, like this was another one of those games. I, I remember this. This is Io Knight. You know, they came. Demar Derozan came. Everybody was there. But this is another Illinois game where at halftime you're like, 
are they going to lose? Like <laughs> They were down by – they were up like 14 early in the first half, yeah. and then they ended up trailing by four at the break. DeMar DeRozan walked into the State Farm Center. Everybody forgot how to play basketball, got shy and yep. whatnot. They were down four at halftime. They were like, what are you doing? Um, but, like, yeah, Grandison had was two for 12. Plummer was four for 14 in that game. Trent Frazier was six of 14 in that game. You got to have better. DeMonte Williams was three of nine, one for four from the three. Like, you got to do better than that. Like, all those guys have to have better performances. And I think that's what gives me a little – maybe a lot of optimism for this game is that the only person that really had a really good game um, was Kofi Coburn. All the rest of the starters stunk. I mean, Coleman Hawkins was three for six, which is eight points. I don't know. That might be close to his season high. I'm Coleman sure. had a good game. He had eight boards, too. That was a Coleman yeah. game. But I also agree with you. Like like you said, like Ron Harper Jr., he's like – he's one of those guys that just plays really, really well at his own pace and um, gets to his buckets. I mean, you know, for Rutgers, he, he – for it, like you said, like he kills Illinois a lot. Um, and in the game that they had, he was – in the Big Ten tournament last year, he was the only guy that really got going. Yeah. Uh, he he was the first – he was the reason Rutgers was the first team to beat Purdue this year with that, you know, half-court heave. Like, that was insane. But Coleman Hawkins did a really, really good job on defense on him. And we haven't seen that yet, like, again. And I don't know why we haven't seen that Coleman shutdown game. Because if Coleman can turn into that guy who's just like, oh, you put him on your best forward, you put him on your best guy that's, you know, 6'6 six, six to 6'8, six, 6'9, six, then he carves out a role for the future. And then he can yeah. work on his offense. I mean, offense is – Coleman Hawkins can score. It's all about, you know, um, confidence. I mean, we saw a progression of confidence in that game from BBB where, you know, he was about to dunk it and he was like, oh, maybe somebody will block it. He passes it to Trent in the corner. Trent, you know, uh, this is the plumber on the wing. Plumber hits a three, but, I mean, he was wide open for a dunk. And I know a lot of coaches that would be very mad about that. As he went on in the game, you know, he went up against Zach Eady, you know, to dunk the ball. In double overtime, he went up for a dunk, got fouled, missed both free throws, but he could have been an and one opportunity. So, you know, confidence. All these guys can play offense. Confidence is a thing that you have to get. So it'll it'll be interesting to see if if uh, Coleman Hawkins can develop that defensive mentality that then translates to his offensive confidence. And then maybe he could be that guy for his last two years here. But you know, it, you have to be that shutdown guy. Like, I want to. You know, you hear stories about you know the best defenders in the league or on the team being like, oh, I want the best matchup. Like, that's how Coleman has to be because. He can do it. Like you shut down Ron Harper Jr. It's not a it's not a fluke, right? That guy has a very that guy has a very deep offensive bag. So you have to look out for those, you know, matchups. Like I want Colvin Hawkins in practice, like being like, Oh, I want to guard Kofi Coburn, like I want to guard but we don't really have a four that can really create like that. So it's kind of a hard yeah. comparison. But like he wants I need him to try to draw those defensive matchups so that he gets more confidence. And this is a game that they can do because if everybody plays well, like not even really good. Like, you don't need a really good game from anybody. But if everybody plays well, they should beat this team by 10 or 15. So, you know, I want him to try to get that, you know, defensive responsibility early. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to agree with you that everyone just has to play kind of well because, like, Maryland's a, Maryland's a good team. I mean, they don't have any killers on offense, I would say. But they kind of remind me of a better version of Indiana under Archie Miller where they're – pretty well coached defensively it's kind of like a bunch of guys all together you know trying to create offense like Maryland did beat Illinois at Illinois last year like they just yeah. play really hard gritty games and I like their new coach it's a game at Maryland the students are all back I'm hoping that Kofi Coburn can just stay out of foul trouble have a bounce back game exactly like you said and just open it up if they double team him he passes out for three if it's a single score 30 points Kofi do your thing I will say 
earlier in the show, you said there was some developmental problems with Kobe Coburn. That is the one area that I've seen Kobe Coburn just take a huge jump in. Because if you remember his freshman year, like if he got the ball within five feet, he's taking a shot. Like yeah. it didn't matter who was on him. It didn't matter what. He was putting up a shot. And his freshman year, that was when he he was dunking, but it wasn't as dunk like he wasn't dunking as much as he was his sophomore year. And he also like didn't really have a polished hook game. Now he has a better hook game and he dunks a lot. But you know, he's trying to he I mean, you know he hears people tell him in the NBA, hey, you need to learn how to pass out the post. Because he yeah. really couldn't. And he's doing that now. I feel like every time somebody pa- he passed somebody the post, they either miss or pass out, which is kind of unfortunate uh, for his like stat number. But on film, you could see him be able to pass the post really well. Um, but yeah, I just to me like saying that if everybody plays well, they should like easily win this game. It's just like they were in control of that game in the beginning, and it's because yeah. everybody's just playing their role. And then everybody started sucking in the second in the Good second point. half of the first half. So it's like I still believe this team is the second best team in the in the big 10. And I still believe this is a top 15 team in the country when everybody plays their roles and when everybody plays well. And obviously that Purdue matchup is tough, but that shows you, I mean, not a lot of teams are taking Purdue, you know, to double overtime when, um, you know, Jay Ivey gets 13 points from the free throw line and Zach Eady for his first like 10 shots, he was like nine of 10 with like 18 points and was just shutting down our best player in Kofi Coburn. So It'll be interesting to see, but I, I, I think that if everybody just – like, if you get a normal plumber game, you know, like four or seven from the three, Trent Frazier, you know, three or six from the three, a, a few good layups, and everybody plays defense well, and Kobe Coburn has his, like, eight of eight of 13, eight of 12, and 15 rebounds. Oh, this should be – this you shouldn't really yeah. be worried about losing this game. Shooting above 50% from three is a very good game, in my opinion, but I, before we do yeah, some predictions, <laughs> start thinking about that, I want to like the, I want to address what I said about Kofi. So has he gotten better since his freshman year and his sophomore year? Absolutely. His rim protecting isn't elite, but it's better. His ability mm-hmm. to pass out of the post has gotten better. His a hockey assist numbers, his hockey assist numbers this year have been a lot more. He's taken advantage of single uh, team defense, but, what I mean with developmental issues is that Illinois has faced two teams with good big guys this year, Arizona and Purdue. They were both at home and Kofi did not play well in either game. He didn't get double doubles those games against Arizona. I think he scored maybe like 13, possibly 15, but mm-hmm. everyone knows that wasn't dominant. He's, he goes 10 and five against Purdue on three for nine shooting. He couldn't really handle either big guy. Like you said, that's why, I love the man, and I'm so happy he came back. His jersey is going to go up in the rafters. If Kofi still has the potential to get a statue, let me just say that. But can <laughs> I see him getting drafted? I'm not sure because I, he, even against Arizona's big man, who's not amazing, imagine if Kofi had to go against Andre Drummond, Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert, oh, no, Yusuf you. Nurkic even. I mean, you could – like, Vucha even isn't very good defensively. These guys are going to own Kofi, unfortunately. I 100% agree with you. The, the I was thinking about this the other day. Kofi doesn't have a lot of draftability. And it's no because – and I often hear, like, guys be like, oh, like, what would Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic do against them? They do that against everybody. But like you just said, like, Yusuf Nurkic, I don't know if he could defend Yusuf Nurkic. I don't know if he could score Yusuf Nurkic. And, you know, not that Kofi has to be this starting caliber NBA center. Like, not he, he could be a 10th, 11th man off the bench. And still, like, that's an NBA career. Like, that's a good NBA career. Like, not a lot of guys who play basketball at a high level can play right. 
oh, I, I stuck in the league for four or five years. I still think he can do that. But what scares me about Kofi is the way the game is going in terms of pick and roll and isolation, right? Like, just say, like, they're playing the Hawks and they have to, he has to guard, you know, the pick and roll with Clint Capella and Trey Young. Or even John he, Collins and Trey Young for that. Or matter. even John Collins and Trey Young. Like, he's going to be lost in that game. And I completely yeah. agree. I completely agree with you um, that he has, in terms of NBA development, right? He, like, I don't know if there's a, a spot where he gets drafted. Not saying that there's not a spot where he can carve out a little niche in the NBA, because I've, as we've seen with this, I mean, Malcolm Hill's in the NBA right now. You know what I mean? And as we've seen this year, anything can happen, uh, you know, with COVID. And, and not saying that he would just be a 10-day guy. Like, I honestly think that, you know, after the season, when Kofi goes to declares for the draft, he won't get picked up. He'll do some summer league stuff. And he'll be in the G League for a while, and he'll flow up and down. I that that's the career I think Kofi will have. He'll float up and down between the G League until he's tired of the NBA, and then he'll go be a dominant center somewhere else in in the world. But that's still a successful career. But I I I completely agree with you that like in terms of NBA draftability, like I think I think that ship is kind of sailed for Kofi Gobert. I don't know what else he can realistically, you know, add to his game in the next four months that makes anybody feel like oh yeah I'm gonna spend even a second round pick on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, uh, even before the Purdue game, I was looking at some NBA mock drafts. Not one of them had Kofi. I looked looked at a top 90 list, you know, the imaginary third round. Yeah. He wasn't on the top 90 list. He wasn't in the next 10. Um, It's tough because he's just like, he's a couple things. One, he's a year older than his school year. So he's, he would be a C he's like 20, almost 22, I think. Um, and the NBA loves young guys who they feel like have a lot of potential. Um, and two, he's just like, he can't guard more than one position. And even the one position that he can guard in the NBA center, he can't guard all of them because that center is just now so dynamic, you know, and, and will continue to get more dynamic as, as, you know, things, you know, you know, go forward. And even on the offensive end, like, Kobe Goldberg's great in the post and he does everything he does in the post. No team is going to, you know, draft a guy that can only play in the post. If yeah. he was, if he was like 30 pounds, 40 pounds lighter, which, you know, I hate to bag on his weight because it's the reason he's so dominant in college, but you know, he would be like a really good rim runner. I think like a screen and roller guy, like even if he was an elite screen roller guy, um, like he, I think he could be draftable, but it, it's just not there. And I don't know if, if there's anything he can do to, prove uh you know short of just like literally going on a ncaa run where he's like 30 and 15 every game and you know just has this crazy thing but i don't think that's realistic yeah and yeah like if he goes against a guy like zach Eady or trayvon williams and has a great game yes sure draft him but again we haven't seen that yet he has more chances and obviously i mean we're seeing this with io right now like the coaching in the NBA is better than college for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like we've seen how much better IO's gotten. He's one of the best rookies right now on the bulls. Not everyone's talking about it because he was the 30th pick and obviously Illinois to Chicago. So our fan base is talking about it, but we'll see what Kofi can do. I love him. Um, yeah. Last thing before we go, this Maryland game, it's in what, where did they play? Is it a state part? What's, what's Maryland called? Ooh, state college. Yeah, yeah, I think it's State College. I'm looking up their basketball arena. Um, the Xfinity Center in College Park. 
College Park, yeah. All right, what? do you have a score yeah. prediction? Um, yeah, the ESPN matchup predictor, which is my favorite analytic ever, is <laughs> Illinois. Um, is the matchup predictor gives Illinois a sixty nine percent chance to win. Um, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go because they've. I'm gonna go Illinois eighty three, Maryland. I'm going to give them 70, 75 because they're at home. Illinois, 83, 75. And I know I said they could win by 10 if everybody plays well. But, you know, Illinois, you got to give them some Illinois room. You know what I mean? They, they mess up somehow. Mm-hmm. So, I think it'll be an eight-point win. Um, and they'll continue to win. I think that this game is going to be somewhat similar to Iowa, you know, where it's a grinder, maybe a game of runs with some home momentum. Uh, I'm going to go Illinois, 84, Maryland, 79. That's what I'm thinking. I do think Illinois is going to win. I feel pretty good about that, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be another challenge because, like you said, after this game, I mean, I'll pull it up real quick, but I know they have a home game against Michigan State right after. And then after Michigan State, they have at Northwestern, which should should not be tough. Northwestern's not very good. Home against Wisconsin, which is going to be tough. And at Indiana, who's playing tough. Then you have at Purdue, which you're not going to win unless something drastic happens home against Northwestern at Rutgers, super tough place to play at Michigan state home against Ohio state. You don't have an easy game besides Northwestern for the next month. And then you go, even after that at Michigan home against Penn state home against Iowa, Brandon, the next month, they don't have an easy game besides Northwestern. And they could, I think they're going to, in their next 10, they'll probably go like six and four. Um, Yeah, they could. I hope not, but. They're, they're going to split with Maryland. I mean, they're going to split with Michigan State, I think. They're not going to yeah. beat Purdue at home. I just can't see that happening. Um, Mackey's a, you know Mackey's like the toughest place to play in college basketball. The fact that Wisconsin beat them earlier this year blows my that, mind. That Johnny Davis guy is unreal. The Wisconsin game worries me. Um, yeah, for sure. And and then even like Michigan, the, the team doesn't scare me, but going to Michigan to play, like last year they, they, they went to Michigan with no fans. And this year, they're going to have to go to Michigan with a bunch of fans. And they're not as good of a team. And I know Michigan is not the same team they were last year. But, it's like, like look, I mean, Rutgers beat Purdue. You know, like, stuff happens in the Big Ten. And Illinois yeah. is not immune to those what-the-heck-just-happened what the happened games. So, um, I think they could go six and four in the next ten. And you could still be looking at – you could still be looking at this as a really good team, right? Yeah. All Illinois needs to do is be really – like, you know, try to get at least one bye in the – Big Ten tournament, and if they could get a double by, like that'd be phenomenal. But I don't think I don't see it happening. But try to get one by, and then try to make a run in the tournament, and you know whatever happens in the NCAA, what happens in the NCAA. Hopefully, you don't see Loyola. Yeah, I originally picked Purdue to go first and Illinois second in the Big Ten, so I'm happy about that. And then Michigan third obviously isn't going to happen. I thought I Ohio Michigan State first. was going to be. I thought Ohio State was going to be a little bit better. I think they're falling off a little bit feel pretty good about that game but yeah so obviously some tough games coming up for illinois but brendan we will be back hopefully in about a week to recap those games but thanks always for being on thank you everyone for listening this has been the daily Illini sports podcast